Our scripture reading today is found in Mark chapter 12, verses 38 through 44. Let us hear the word of the Lord. As he was teaching, he said, Watch out for the legal experts. They like to walk around in long robes. They want to be greeted with honor in the markets. They long for places of honor in the synagogues and at banquets. They are the ones who cheat widows out of their homes, and to show off, they say long prayers. They will be judged most harshly. Jesus sat across from the collection box for the temple treasury and observed how the crowd gave their money. Many rich people were throwing in lots of money. One poor widow came forward and put in two small copper coins worth a penny. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I assure you that this poor widow has put in more than everyone who's been putting money in the treasury. All of them are giving out of their spare change. But she, from her hopeless poverty, has given everything she had, even what she needed to live on. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, this is a scripture that, that you've all heard often, I'm sure. It comes around just about every year in some way to speak about stewardship. It's a perennial favorite. But... You know what? I think it's been misused because it isn't really about the money. Oh, Jesus talks about money. But this scripture goes deeper than that, at least in a quantity sense. So what is it then? We'll find out in just a minute, but let me pray for us. Holy Spirit, come and be with us in this time of worship. Open our minds and change our hearts. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts combined be pleasing to you. O Lord, you're our rock and redeemer. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So if this message from Mark is more than just a message about faithful giving, more than the word generosity itself, then just what is Mark getting at? Is it perhaps, you know, in, in many ways when we talk about stewardship, that goes very deep. That's a very personal thing. And so the whole, the whole thing with stewardship is that it itself has been misused through the ages. The church has not done a great job connecting the stewardship as a spiritual gift to the overall purpose of church, which is our salvation. So is what we're reading in Mark here an attack against the institution that we call church? Does the church really prey on widows like the one in our story here? Or at the very least, does the church simply neglect them in favor of buildings and all kinds of other things rather than caring for the very ones who support the church? And so we've heard Jesus' anger before. We've heard that righteous anger surface. And so is this the same thing? Do we claim Jesus' righteous anger and denounce the institution that represents the church today over this issue? Well, I'm sure some would take that route. 
And maybe there are places where a message such as that are needed. But let's focus for a moment on that burning anger in Jesus as he makes this declaration. Now, last week we heard a little bit of the anger earlier in Mark, uh, Mark chapter 12 where Jesus was arguing with a group of Herodians and then some Sadducees came by and surrounded him and started asking him questions, trying to get him to say something they could use against him. But then a scribe comes by and says, well, you answered that well, and so I have a question of my own. Well, that was last week's sermon. But now, maybe, after that long and, and I'm sure tiring wrestling match with all, those, with all those Jewish religious leaders, I'm sure Jesus is feeling a little, a little worn out, a little beat down perhaps. And so maybe in this story today, he's just simply looking for someone, something that he could say a few kind words about. And so he finds this poor widow and he wants to bless her somehow. So he points out that her meager offering was all that she had. Everything she had to live on, she gave to the temple. But even more than that, I think there's more to this story. There's something else going on here, at least from Mark's point of view. Maybe it all didn't happen just like that. Maybe the, the sequence of events aren't exactly the way Mark has presented them. Jesus didn't necessarily go from warning about the scribal way of life, the, the abuse that they extended to poor widows, to simply moving to the offering plates plopping himself down there to watch and see what he could see, who gave what. Maybe it's just that Mark selected those stories and put them side by side there for a reason. A reason perhaps he wanted us to consider what a life that mattered really means. On the one hand, we have those, those scribes cheating the widows out of their houses, their life savings. And on the other hand, we have a group, the widows themselves, who give all they have, everything, their whole life. And so that's quite a contrast, don't you think? Maybe that would cause us a rethinking of, of this kind of life to give everything that, that you have. We are called to live and to give sacrificially. One group lived for self, wanting and hoarding and grabbing everything they could get their hands on. And the other, regardless of, of damage to themselves, gave more than sacrificially. They gave lavishly. 
Well, we certainly in the church wouldn't recommend that, that people engage in behavior that could be self-destructive. But we could certainly recognize that the widow, in this story at least, is trusting in the very care that she was receiving from the institution that she was giving her whole life to. And perhaps it was that gratitude for what she had received that caused her to give so extravagantly. The widow's action was a sign of, of faith, faith in the community, faith in the, in the temple, the church, faith in God. Faith that simply went so far as to say that she believed that that community knew how to look after those in need. And she trusted in the temple and the people who were in charge of distributing its grace. Well, I, there's many people that would call that naive, right? Maybe even Jesus himself might wonder if her trust was misplaced. But even so, he uses this unassuming act of her offering as a more effective witness than all the others combined. Now, a little background about this moment. As Jesus was watching all the people in the temple courts pour their money into the, to the offering boxes, these weren't, these offering boxes were, were not hidden away and brought out during a worship service. No, they were not meant to be passed around discreetly. They sat out in the public area of the temple for all to have access to giving, even if those people themselves were not even allowed to enter the temple. They could still give their money. And they weren't plates. The plates that we use today with the padded insides to mute the sounds of coins on metal, well, they weren't like that. They weren't really even boxes. So no sliding your envelope into the darkness inside so that no one could tell how much your offering might be. Now these were large metal trumpet-like receptacles into which you could pour your temple money and that would cause a, a clinking and a clanking and in fact a, a thunderous noise as, as all those coins hit the metal and spread into the bottom. It would ring out across the court, drawing attention to whoever was, was there, whoever was passing by, and no doubt there were those who would aim their gifts in such a way as to make the most noise, the loudest sound possible, hoping to wow the crowd. All the bystanders convincing them of, of the wealth and, and this person's supposed generosity. <coughs> Excuse me. But you know, Jesus simply ignored all these 
these noisemakers. His attention was focused, and he, he drew everyone else's attention to the faint plink of two tiny copper coins. And then he says, this poor widow has put in more than all the clinkers and clankers that have come by. All of those combined. Now, you know what? <clears throat> this made me think of Matthew, the tax collector, right? Oh, that, that faithful tax collector, Matthew. I'm sure he would, if he were present at that moment, he would have whipped out his calculator and he would have shown Jesus the math. I mean, even a rough estimate, which, which we former tax collectors are likely to do, would reveal that, that this widow contributed something on the scale of, of point zero 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 a bunch of zeros, 2% of what all those other rich guys had dumped into the offering. So he would say, come on, Jesus, you can't say she put in more than they did, can you? And Jesus would look Matthew in the eye and say, she put in more than all of them combined. More, Matthew, more. Because they put what they weren't going to use anyway. They put their excess, their leftovers. That was the interest on the interest on their money. But this woman put in her whole life. Now, our, our translation says in the story, the, in the reading of Mark this morning, our translation says her whole living. And that is an appropriate translation for, for the word that we use to get that. And that's the Greek word bios. It also has to do with the phrase holonton bion autos, which means her whole life. We get the word biology from it, the study of life. So we're sure that what we read here is she put in her whole life. And there's something about that life, the life that we're all called to live, and, and that is as followers of Jesus, as, as disciples, as Christians, we're called to live and to give of ourselves. We're to hold our own life lightly. And that includes all our stuff, too, and our livelihoods as well, and our savings. And we're all to hold that lightly. We're not to, we're not to grip it to the point that we have white knuckles. We hold it lightly so that we can give it away. How we do that, how much of it we give, how fast we give it away, that's up to us, but we give it away. But not only that, we give our own lives. They aren't our possessions really either. We can't hoard our life. We can't restrict it so that no one can share in it, but we give it away. We give it as a blessing 
an act of gratitude to live in service. We are invited. Now we are called. We are called to be set free from bondage to our stuff and ourselves, to live free and unencumbered by our own lives and able to embrace the constant hope of our eternal life. So can you imagine Matthew's expression upon hearing all of this? Matthew, the tax collector, who's, who's only focused on, on collecting the money that is owed to the Roman government, the money that is really, when you think about it, isn't even given, it's stolen. Matthew's eyes must have been spinning. They must have been wide open if he were to hear this. And so you can imagine there in the, in the courts with all the crowds around him, adults and children, Matthew might have grabbed a kid running through the courtyard and handed him his calculator and said, here, you take this. And that child might have a puzzled look on it, his face and, and Matthew would say, I don't need it. I'm living by a different scale now, a different kind of math. So that child might run off with that new toy to show and share with his friends and tell them about this crazy man that he met in the temple. I'm sure there's many people who would say it's crazy to give away everything you have, everything you have to live on, and they're probably right. And we don't ask anyone to do that. But Jesus uses this lavish illustration of gratitude to show us the way to a different life, to a new life, a way to make our lives matter. And so I offer all of this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.